The Business Report Spotlight is brought to you by Renaissance Health Medical Aid Fund. RMA. Your health comes first. Today we are, have the honor of speaking to the Deputy Minister of Gender Equality, Poverty Eradication and Social Welfare, the Honorable Bernadette Jagger. Thank you very much, Honorable, for joining us today in this interview and welcome to our show. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. So um, our spotlight interview is typically where we talk to um, influential people, uh, persons that have shaped our country and our business environment, our political environment, and we are learning from them on their life lessons, what you have been through, and what you can pass on to the many young listeners that we have on the show. So that is our spotlight for today, and I am very honored. I do know the Honorable from a different sphere of my life, so it's also my invite to her, uh, and I'm really grateful that you've accepted our invitation. So let's start off by your schooling. So maybe something from where you are from, where did you go to school, um, and some of the events that you have experienced in your life that have shaped your outlook on life. Thank you very much. Let me start uh, by telling you that I live in Korejas, northwest uh, of Namibia, for the past 44 years. But I was born in the Republic of South Africa something that many people might not know. I was born in South Africa, as I said, in the Northern Cape, um, six-plus decades ago. <laughs> so I was um, born from a very hard-working uh, father and a very uh, respected and respectful mother. Now, if I say I was born in the Northwest uh, North, North, Northern Cape of South Africa. I was born in a small village called Rimfasmak. Rimfasmak is a, a reserve that was established way back many years ago in the 1800s. And if I say 1800s, people might wonder, wow, <laughs> what happened there? But that is a, a place that is very historical for the community called the Rimfasmakas community. Now, in the 1800s, there were a, a, a number of people who fled from the then Southwest Africa, crossed the Orange River, and were scattered all over, as I said, in the Northern Cape. <clears throat> so at one stage, a, a Catholic priest uh, have found these people all over, you know, different parts of, of the Northern Cape. And he then went to the authorities, the then authorities, government authorities, and said, but I have found a number of people who seems to be refugees from Southwest Africa then. Can we not perhaps give them a place where they can settle and then take care of them? The authorities fortunately agreed. And then that is how people were now rounded up, actually by the Catholic missionaries, and then brought to that reserve that was named Rimfasmak. And that's now close to Uppington? or That's close to, yes, not too close to Uppington, but more close to Kakamas. Oh, to Kakamas. Kakamas is okay. the main town from where uh, businesses were done. So, and where the, the, 
the office of the magistrate that were overseeing that uh, reserve uh, was, uh, was was also um, uh, opened mm. then later when the people came there. So um, I attended school in Rimfasmak, my primary school years from that time it was sub A mm. <laughs> up to standard six. And then when I passed standard six, I went to a bigger town called Camus. Camus is now the middle town between Kakamas and Uppington. It's also a big uh, town with a, a good number of, 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 of people, businesses and so on. Uh, and very well known for its grape farming. And um, then after Standard 8, you know, I finished my Standard 8 in, in, in Camus. You know, those years, um, it was not compulsory, but that was kind of a tradition that girls go up to Standard 8 and boys to Standard 10. So I stopped in Standard 8, which is now the Grade 10, the current Grade 10. And uh, I moved from there to become uh, a teacher to study for teaching. And where did you study for teaching? I went to, now this time it was the Western Cape. Yeah. I moved from Camus to, to, to Worcester. Oh, yeah. Worcester, and uh, I attended the Sunia uh, Training College where I was then trained as a teacher for two years. And then I finished that training in 1975. So I, become, I became a, a fully trained teacher. So I then took up a position in um, in Matekerskam. It's also a small, small uh, village, and uh, I my first class was a grade four class. I remember <laughs> it was a grade four class, uh, small boys and small girls, uh, who up to today appreciate my teaching. You know, and uh, you still have contact with your students. Oh yes, I oh, have. I have. I have a lot of contact Amazing. because every now and then I also go to South Africa because I still have family ties there. Yeah, family relations are still there, and. Uh, that was it. So I started there as a teacher, 1976 and 1977, because I had a two-year, not a loan, but a contract kind of, uh, and uh, I had to finish my two years there before I came now to the then Southwest Africa. And remember, in 1974, there was the, the uh, a very big uh, uh, program that they called the Black Spot Removal where now we were rounded up, the Rimfasmakas were rounded up, because the authority said, no, I think it's enough now that we have, uh, you know, accommodated you here in South Africa, so you have to go back where you are coming from. So we had to travel by trains, by buses, and... Uh, Whether you wanted to or not, eh? Whether you wanted mm. or not. No, there was no choice. So mm. then they were brought here into into Damaraland. But the history is also very clear that the people that I, I remember, I told you that people fled from here, mm. across the Orange River. Many of the majority of them were residing in the southern part of Namibia. Those that fled in 1800s. Those that fled, yes. More from the southern mm. part, deep southern. If mm. I say deep south, then it means Karas, Hibion, Haira Habes, and so my grandmother my, 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 my paternal grandmother, for example, was born, according to the records, from Heirachabas. Okay. Heirachabas is also one of those uh, deep southern uh, 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 places. So um, 
That is how we landed in 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 Namibia in uh, Damara land, and shipped to the north. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, northwest. But but you you must also remember that um, before independence, this was just one big administration. Mm. South Africa and South Africa, Southwest Africa mm. was just like one big administration. Mm. So when I finished my 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 school my school years uh, as a teacher in 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 Matagascam in South Africa, I just applied uh, to Okahanja, uh, where I was now. Uh, a teacher in Okahanja, one of the primary schools in Okahanja. So it was easy. It was not like you you mm. are from another country and mm. now you apply to another mm. country. It was just one, two, three, and I got my position, and then I came and 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 and, and taught here in in one of those schools in Okahanja. Well, as I said, I I did my schooling in South Africa, my teacher training also in South Africa. But when I came here, I I, I thought I I still need to. To, to do more on my on my studies and on my qualifications. Remember I said I only finished grade mm. grade 10, now mm. grade 10, but that time for us it was standard 8. So I was still looking forward to make sure that I at least reach uh, standard 10, mm. which is grade 12, mm. and also uh, improve on my qualifications as a teacher because the first training was just on a lower primary teaching uh, qualification, then I enrolled after I passed my standard 10, 10. and I did that not in a school full time. Mm. I did it on a distance. Part time, yeah. Yeah, part time. So I passed that. Then I enrolled me here where NAST is now. It was the old academy. We yes. called it the academy. So I went for further training there uh, to improve on my teaching qualifications and I got a high primary education teacher certificate. Mm. After that, I decided it's not enough. And then I was scouting around and then I I came across a scholarship from the British government. So I won that scholarship and uh, I went into the United Kingdom Wow! to Coventry where I was then enrolled as a, a student for a postgraduate diploma in English language teaching and administration. And I must tell you, I remember the first words of the lecturer during our orientation session was, it's very hard to get an A at this university. <laughs> but me coming from a very small village and, of course, a very small town, Korihas, yeah. I passed that diploma. Wow. With flying colors. Awesome. I passed it with distinction and uh, I must tell you, I'm very proud. How many years of, were you there? I was there for one full year. It was okay. a, a postgraduate diploma. Um, I then won, because of my good results uh, during that time, I won another uh, scholarship also from the British government. They took me back, now this time to uh, the University College of, of Mar Johns. Mar Johns is a short word for uh, St. Mark's and St. John. So I studied there now for two years, also in the UK, and then... Um, obtained a Bachelor of Philosophy in Education. Okay. That degree. So also very successful. Um, you know, in my life, I, I, I met a wonderful person, my husband. I met him uh, and we were married for 37 years. So you met him before you went to the UK? Yes, yeah. That When I went to the UK, I was already married and I had to sacrifice yeah. my family life. You know, mm. I had to leave him with our four children. Yeah, I know that time tough. we had only three. The last one mm. came after I came mm. back. Mm. 
So at that time, we were only having three children. I left him with the three children. Mm. The small, the last, the last one at that time, the last born at that time was just four years old. She turned five when I was in the UK. Sure. But uh, it was hard. It was not easy. I mean, I had to sacrifice that wonderful mm. time with my family. Mm. But he was very supportive, I mm. must say. He was very supportive. He he was always on me and say, please concentrate on what you are there for. Mm. Us, whatever situation we are in, we will we will, mm. we will make sure that, uh, you know, we don't suffer. The children will not suffer. So don't worry about mm. what is going on here at home. And he always, uh, you know, remind me that, uh, you know, concentrate on the things that will make a positive impact in your mm. life. Don't concentrate on negative things. The more you concentrate on negative things, the mm. more negativity mm. will, will, will breed. And this uh, is the sort of wisdom we want you to share with our listeners. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. so I, I had that wonderful uh, partner in life. And uh, also he said, you know, you should be content with what you have. Don't reach out for things that are not reachable at this stage. Mm. But dream and dream big mm. and make sure that you fulfill your dreams. Mm. Set your priorities and work on your priorities. Those are the words that I, I got from him. And I must say my hard work has brought me where I am today. Mm. Yep. My hard work and, of course, the wisdom from from those who were around me, mm. starting from my parents. My parents, uh, as I said, my father was a very hardworking person. My mother also well-respected, mm. a very, you know, soft-spoken woman, Bible, and, uh, but yeah. always encouraging mm. us as children mm. and uh, not to sit back and uh, move forward yeah. so that we become, you always say, so that you like, it's an eleven can board. That's so I right. always say, why do you say it's <laughs> and not somebody? <laughs> but that was that was my parents. Um, I I really cannot uh, easily be distracted by negativity. You know, as long as I know this negative uh, mm. thing that comes towards me will mm. never have an an mm. impact in my on my life. So mm. I was never bothered by, by mm. negative, even up to today. Mm. If th- something negative comes my way, I just find a way to mm. get it out of my way mm. and, and remain the positive person that I I am in life and would uh, be in life. I can speak up for myself. Yeah. I can speak up for myself. Um, if I have to speak, I speak for myself. Mm. And I'm a very principled principle person. Principle-based, yeah, that I know. Nobody can, yes. you know, push and pull me around yeah. <clears throat> and do things that are really... Uh, not uh, uh, under my principles. Yeah, I want to be the person that I am and that I was, uh, you know, all these years. So how uh, did you end up in politics? Where did that now fit into the picture? After the UK only or before that, during that time? No, no, no. Uh, in politics, I became, uh, um, shall I say, active in policy in the, in the 70s already. You know, I told you that I came to, to Okhanja. Mm. And that was 78. Mm. So I started now also to meet with, uh, you know, the political friends and so on. I mingled with them. And then that is also the year that I actually started. uh, I I mean, that I I joined uh, the Swapo Party Mm. Mm. in Okanja. In Okanja. Yes, I I, I remember my old friends like um, uh, uh, Mr. Damasep. He was also a teacher. 
Um, I had a good friend also, Theophilus Asep. He was the first governor of Ochodonjupa region and and, and others, mm. uh, Margaret Mokatu. And uh, those are the people that... Uh, uh, that's a, that I was surrounded with, and uh, uh, they they really had an influence in me. Because remember, I came from South Africa, mm. so mm. I didn't know at that time the swap of politics and so mm. on. But uh, their being with me mm. made me really to understand the party, and uh, of course, uh, you know what was going mm. on, and uh, the liberation struggle, mm. and and all those. So, as you said, I was a, as I know, uh, I was uh, I was very interested in in politics. And um, I joined the party. I became a local authority councillor shortly after independence. You know, the and that's not after you returned from the UK. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Uh, no, no, no. That was before. Oh yes, of course, yes. That was before I went. That was when I joined. Mm. Now, in 1992, after mm. independence, independence, yeah, there was the first regional and local local authority councils elections, mm. Mm. of which I was now. Uh, a candidate from my party, Swapo. Mm. So um, I won a seat in the local authority uh, council of Korihas, the town council. I was representing Swapo in the town council. And I must say, I was the first and only woman among six men. Well done. Here and comes the gender equality. <laughs> yes. And everybody was like, ah, will you cope with these six men? You are the only woman. I said, what is wrong? Mm. I mean, there's nothing they can do. And uh, I I was uh, really very vocal. Mm. And the uh, Swapo Party it was mm. not the, the, the ruling party mm. for that specific mm. uh, local authority uh, council. Uh, so that wasn't really a challenge for me to be among uh, the six men. And, uh, you know, when when we started our business, I, I made sure that my voice was heard. Although, as I said, we were not in the majority, but uh, uh, it was uh, uh, something that helped me to to also pave my way, you know, when I started now as a local authority, because that's all about politics. Well, you don't politic in, <laughs> in the meeting because when after the local authority elections, you become one body. And I always say, uh, let us put politics at the back seat and hard work at the front seat, so that we, we serve the people according to... The, the, the work the, of the day. The work of the day, mm. according to the Local Authority um, Act. So I became also a member of the management committee. So that's actually a mm. committee, you know, to, to run the day-to-day affairs of the council. And uh, I also made my mark there. And uh, the men started to take notice of me and uh, work together with me because they had no choice. We were one body. Mm. Yeah. So so those are the things that, uh, you know, shaped me really yeah. in and my life. After that, then sort of the way up to where you are today. Yes. Um, I moved up from there as a local authority councillor uh, in 1992. I served for two terms. Mm. I served for two terms. And then in 2012, I remember uh, the former president... Um, Pohamba um, now appointed me on the central committee of the Swapo Party, which is a very high-level structure mm. uh, of, of our party. Mm. Uh, I became a, a central committee member. And then in 20, no, in, that was in 2012, I said. And then in 2014, <laughs> I just mm. called, I was just called uh, early morning just as I, came to work, I was called from the office of, of uh, 
the former president, uh, uh, one of his, his staff members said, uh, the president wants to see you tomorrow. Mm. And I was in Koriha, so I had to now. <laughs> but then I had to, you know, to make, uh, you know, some arrangements there at mm. work. And I told uh, the supervisor, my supervisor, that no, I was called to Venduk. Mm. And he said, what happened? I said, no, 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 <laughs> because I was not supposed to tell. Who called me and what is it? Because that time, it was now the time that the president has yes. to, to appoint. And, yeah. No, not the reshuffle, has oh. to appoint people, mm. you know, for the for the list of, of parliament. Um, I came to Venduk and then met with the former president and the former president. I just called you for one reason. I want you to come and uh, he said... I want you to come and help me. <laughs> His words were, mm. help me mm. in, 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 in parliament. Mm. So I have to nominate, uh, not appoint actually, to nominate uh, four people, I mean 10 people who will serve on, uh, uh, on my list. Uh, so I was one of the 10 and he was just asking me, uh, I just called you so that you give me a yes yeah. or a no so that I know. <laughs> And, and you then, didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to think. I just say, yes, Comrade President, it's an honor. Exactly. So, so uh, I, I am available. And uh, that is how I uh, then landed on the list for, for Parliament, for the uh, National Assembly elections. Yep. So it is also, he also said it to me that, you know, when I... My nominees will appear quite high on the list. Mm. So it was obvious that day already that after the elections, mm. I will become mm. a member mm. of parliament. That is how I landed in parliament. And uh, um, now I'm serving as a deputy minister. At that time, after the elections, I served as a backbencher. Mm. But that actually helped me. It also shaped my my understanding. I better yeah. now understand what the work is of parliament, the work is of parliamentary committees and mm. so on. I also became a chairperson of one of the committees, Human Resource and Community Development Committee, mm. which you have to go out, you mm. know, and consult the communities on mm. on, 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 on motions and, 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 mm. and so on, on bills and so on. So I really serve on that one. I now serve, uh, I served after some... Three years I served, uh, after I served in the parliament as a backbencher, I was then appointed by the current president, Dr. Rake Gamecock, as a deputy minister in the Ministry of Environment and Tourism that time. Oh, it was first at Environment. Yes, I served there for two years, and then in 2020, the president mm. now uh, appointed me at this current Ministry of uh, Gender equality, poverty education, and 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 social welfare. Yeah, that what a my... journey! It, oh, yeah. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully your children and your grandchildren are soaking up all your experiences and note them and learn from them. They which do. actually then takes me. I mean, you're a, a great person to interview because you answer my questions before I even ask them. Mm. So maybe just finally in the ministry that you are in. I mean, I know that you travel a. a vast distances in this big country of ours. Your driver has got quite a reputation in terms of how he, how he handles you on, on the roads I and know. You know, how safely <laughs> brings you to everybody. Because, sure. I mean, by the, you, you need to be almost everywhere. And I cannot begin to understand and imagine the stories and the horrible um, things that you hear about what goes on in our communities. 
seen in the role that you are at, at the ministry. Maybe some thoughts from your side uh, in, in conclusion. What are some of the unique challenges that we face in Namibia that actually brought about this um, gender-based violence statistics that we have? And then maybe just some highlights on the initiatives that you are driving to, uh, to address these challenges. There are hundreds and thousands of challenges that, uh, that we are facing as a ministry, not just as a ministry, but as a country. And one of the challenges uh, is gender-based violence. I must tell you uh, that is, I, I normally say it's a, it's a disease, it's a, it's a sickness that mm. nobody would have medication mm. for. Mm. Fifteen doctors coming together, they will not, they will not uh, have any medication to treat this uh, crime called gender-based violence. It's a criminal act, act and uh, we cannot uh, uh, um, sleep on it. Now, as a response to gender-based violence, um, the ministry uh, that I work for has, has various programs in place that are continuously implemented. Uh, these programs are really aimed at uh, creating awareness in order to widen the knowledge of the people mm. in terms of gender-based violence, to sensitize them in order to ensure that people are sensitive to the crime of gender-based violence, um, thus encouraging them to report this crime. You see, that is also another challenge. People don't report. They don't know it's wrong or they, yeah. No, they, they do, they mm. do. They do but know it is wrong, but maybe they are afraid to stand mm. as a witness in court. Mm. Or they are afraid that, you know, the family of this perpetrator might get them and uh, do what they want with. So people are really not uh, on reporting. You tell them the police should not be our enemies. The police are our friend. If we did not have police in this country, it would have been chaos. Mm. Police are there to maintain law and order. Mm. So these are not people that you should run away from. Mm. So mm. report these gender-based violence cases. People are dying. Next door, the person next door is dying. You know for many years that this person is suffering. Mm. You hear the person is screaming. You mm. hear a person has been beaten. Go and report but it. Go and report. Mm. I said there are so many po reporting mm. uh, uh, places like the police, number mm. one, the social worker, for example, mm. the church, the mm. traditional leaders, mm. these are all institutions and structures yeah. that one can go to to report. Now, as I said, there are so many programs. One of the programs that uh, there is a program that we call the gender-based violence campaign um, uh, called Zero Tolerance for Gender-Based Violence. So none of us should have any tolerance mm. for gender-based violence in this country. Mm. Now, in, in, in 2009, the ministry implemented this program that we call uh, Zero Tolerance for uh, Gender-Based Violence. And uh, the campaign is aimed at, as I said, really creating awareness on gender-based violence issues and to educate the public mm. on identifying warning signs mm. Mm, what to look out for. What to look out for. Mm. I mean, if you stay with a partner in, in mm. one house, you cannot tell me that you don't see the signs of this person. The mm. aggressiveness, mm. the insults, mm. you know, the beating here and there. 
these are all warning signs that you can say, but this person, yeah. I need to get out of here. And knowing that typically the listeners to our show are business people, and I think that's also something in the corporate world or even yes. in the formal sectors is you have high expectations of your employees and then just to be awake and aware that these things yes. could be everywhere. Yes, or the person cannot come to work, mm. you understand, because last night the person mm. was beaten, the mm. person was kicked, the mm. person has a blue eye, who wants mm. to go with a blue eye to work? Mm. It's, it's, it's shameful, yeah. it's embarrassing and so on. Yeah. So, so this, this program really uh, focuses on empowering service providers and the public to prevent, number one, to prevent, to detect, to protect Mm. and to report mm. and refer gender-based violence cases, mm, including including trafficking in persons, yeah. promoting the existing GBV services in the country and to promote the 10111 toll-free police the, the number. number. Thank yes. you very much. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a toll-free number. So, so as I said, traditional authorities, the ministry is also, you know, uh, uh, in collaboration with the Ministry of Justice, the Ministry of Urban and Rural Development and Women Action for Development host legal uh, engagement programs to engage mm. and capacitate regional, mm. I mean, uh, traditional authorities mm. uh, and gender-related laws that address gender-based violence as a punishable crime yeah. in order to enhance the effectiveness of multi-sectoral response on GBV, violence against children, and mm. as I said, trafficking. Yeah. In person. Yeah. So 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 the ministry has really and and of uh, recently next week no yeah next week or so I I, I might be going to 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 Marintal to mm. the south also for a male engagement program because that is also one program that we seriously now embark upon uh, is to promote greater involvement of men mm. uh, in prevention of HIV. Uh, and and gender-based violence as part of the solution. As yeah. part of the solution, safe yeah. motherhood, also mm. fatherhood initiatives, family mm. planning, relating boys and young men, and promote mm. positive gender norms and yeah. positive change, as well as uh, covering men's issues of sexual reproductive health mm. and so on. So, so these are uh, some of the programs that we uh, we have rolled out as a ministry to make sure that uh, maybe. Uh, part of these programs might help and uh, mm. and uh, curb gender-based violence. We have also the social protection program where the government developed the blueprint on wealth mm. uh, redistribution and poverty. You know, because that is also one reason that people are, you know, putting forth. Mm. It's because of the poverty aspect that uh, people are also engaging in gender-based violence mm. and, and so on. Mm. And of course, other social programs like the Children's Grant where all the children zero to eighteen years are getting their three hundred and fifty mm. Namibia dollars per month. Mm. People say it's nothing; it's very small, but that can mm. really make a change. A difference. Yeah. Uh, look at the schoolgirl, for example, who is at a hostel, three hundred and fifty per month. If mm. a girl gets that money, she can buy sanitary pads. Mm. Mm. She can buy roll-on, you mm. know, cosmetics and mm. so on to help herself, mm. while the parents are, you know. Uh, helping themselves on the other side. Mm. Old age pension, mm. the $1,400 dollar mm. uh, that we here and there, mm. you know, not every year, but when money is available, we put something on. Yeah. Uh, remember where we started when the president came in, he started with, uh, I think it was $600 dollar mm. that time. And it, it, it yeah. immediately was kicked up to $1,000. And from there, mm. every now and then, we stand here now at mm. $1,400. We also take care of this ministry of People with disabilities, also the same. Mm. 
And now at this financial year, we are now uh, uh, um, giving a grant for children with disabilities. Mm. They were also like uh, getting the 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 three hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty then, like the mm. normal children. But these mm. kids have special mm. needs. They need, for example, um, nappies mm. because some of them are wheelchair mm. bound, mm. They cannot go to toilets, and so on. Mm. So they need tappies. They need mm. you know this cream that they. They put mm. on the body so that since they are mm. either bedridden or wheelchair bound, that uh, they don't get uh, uh, or develop the bed sores yeah. and so on. So they have uh, special needs more than a normal child. So that's why we have also moved their grant now to 1,400. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, the people, the marginalized communities coming from marginalized communities, mm. we have a food program from them. So government yeah. is really trying to to make sure that those safety nets in place yes yeah. exactly the protection yeah. programs yeah. we have an in and out of school youth program uh, where the regional staff uh, of our ministry conduct awareness sessions with the in and out of school youth on topics such as you know attitudes um, mm. uh, gender based violence understanding sexuality mm. uh, men as victims of gender based violence harmful cultural practices and so on good. so uh, quite a good number of 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 programs that, yeah. that, that we have. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Honorable. This was now very informative. And I think for our audience as well, you know, we sit, we have employers of big companies, of small businesses listening to the show and also for them to have an understanding, um, not only for the safety nets out there, but to be on the lookout for if, you know, there are issues within their workers' corps that, uh, that could be facing these challenges on a day-to-day basis. But learning from your history, where you came from, what you went through, it was really inspiring for me. I've now heard this a second time, but I just every time hear something different and new. So thank you very much for agreeing to speaking to me and, and being on our show. And we wish you all the best in all your future programs. And thanks for everything that you're doing for our society. Yeah, thank you once again for having had me here. The Business Report Spotlight was proudly brought to you by Renaissance Health Medical Aid Fund. RMA. Your health comes first.